Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Goray, TJ Beater, and Kathy Goray. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, one and all, and welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets, where we're starting our third month on Voice America. And that sound you just heard is wild cheering around the world. A big thank you to all of our listeners across the U.S. and in Canada, Ireland, Australia, Russia, Sweden, China, France, and Ukraine. Rory, I think the relatives are tuning in. Uh We could not do what we do without all of you. Now, while today is National Coloring Book Day and National Ice Cream Sandwich Day, here at GMGP, it's Rock and Rue Part Due with our guest, Dennis McKeon, who's back with us for more discussion on greyhound culture, popular greyhound fact versus fiction, and oodles, more great information about our favorite breed. Now, for those of our listeners who may not know, Dennis is currently very popular as an online resource via social media for Greyhound adopters and professionals. So, without further babbling, it's time to rock and roo with your plucky Greyhounds Make Great Pets hosts, Rory Garay and TJ Beter. And also joining us today is our favorite Georgia peach, John Parker. Is everybody ready? Yes, we are. Sure. I'm here. Howdy. Well, you know, one of the things we've said with the show is if there's a topic that we need to quickly uh, cover, we're going to do that. And um, TJ, John, and I, we've been having some conversations, and I think, TJ, you would agree we kind of maybe need to light a fire under somebody's ass um, and get some justice for Sparky. I think so, very much. And so we asked John to join us today uh, before we got into our discussions with Dennis. To uh, John, can you just uh, give our listeners a little update or a little uh, what's going on and why we need to have justice for Sparky? Sure thing, uh, Rory. Uh, th- this is uh, we're announcing today uh, on behalf of Greyhound Pets of America uh, a campaign uh, we're uh, launching via. It'll be launched via Facebook over the weekend on a Facebook page. Uh, to bring justice for uh, the death of Sparky, a greyhound, an adopted greyhound who lived in Pulaski County, Virginia, which is in southwest Virginia. Uh, on July 15th, this, uh, this past month, Sparky inadvertently got off his uh, owner's uh, property out there in the countryside in Pulaski County and wandered, and in his wanderings he saw a cat he did what greyhounds and lots of other breeds of dogs will do when they see a cat outdoors like that. He gave chase. He caught and unfortunately killed the cat. Uh, shortly after that, the cat owner's boyfriend, a man named Teddy Allison, uh, got himself a hammer and started beating on Sparky, despite the fact that the uh, cat's owner, uh, his girlfriend, was begging him not to do that. He beat uh, uh, Sparky brutally, and Sparky died the next day from his injuries. Uh, the Pulaski County Animal Sorry. Control officials, the I, Pulaski I County just... uh, Animal Control officials, investigated the incident 
and uh, urged the Pulaski County Commonwealth Attorney, that's what the district attorneys are called in Virginia, Commonwealth Attorney, uh, the animal control folks urged the uh, Commonwealth Attorney's Office to prosecute Mr. Allison for animal cruelty, but so far they have not brought charges. Uh, We have written to them urging them to do so, uh, but nothing's happened yet. So we figure it's time to rouse Greyhound Nation and uh, and get something done. So we're going to be launching the Facebook page over the weekend and asking all Greyhound owners to contact the uh, Pulaski County Commonwealth Attorney's Office and urge them to bring charges against Mr. Allison for animal cruelty. I know when uh, when when you told uh, Tom, TJ, and I about this, and Kathy was on, could hear it too. I, I just married Kathy, and I just sitting there, just could not believe this, and uh, it's just a disturbing story, um, and that this prosecutor won't do anything, and w- even with the guy being drunk, um, this just disturbs the hell out of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's it's and, really uh, bad, and, and I'll, I'll agree and the, with that too. Um, uh, it seems to me a clear-cut case, and and it wasn't a matter of uh, you know the dog having hold of the cat and trying to save the cat's life. The cat had already been killed, and so uh, as the, as the girlfriend reportedly told Mr. Allison, you know, beating the dog was not going to bring the cat back. That was an unfortunate incident in and of itself, but no no dog deserves to be beaten to death uh, for that. Yeah, this, this just uh, disturbing. So hopefully all of our listeners uh, will be keeping an eye out for uh, Justice for Sparky this weekend because, yeah, this this needs to be taken care of. Otherwise, if he does nothing, it sets a precedent of doing nothing uh, in the future. And we'll be sharing the Facebook page on the various... Uh, Greyhound Forum, so everybody will have a chance to have a look at it. I think it's important to remember um, that we are talking about something that a human has done to an animal. It is unfortunate that that Sparky did get a hold of the cat and and the the resulting death of the cat, but um, as human beings... We, we do have a higher sense of consciousness of what is right and what is wrong. And this is apparently a willful act. That was a conscious decision, and no matter what state he may have been in, um, due to any sort of inebriation that Rory spoke of. Um, but the fact that uh, a, a, the Commonwealth Attorney seems to not find this to be of, of very much importance uh, is even more disturbing to me. Um, where, is the, the, um, where is the line drawn for them for animal cruelty if it's not bludgeoning an animal to death? Uh, where do they draw that line? So it's, it's going to be very important that, as John said, Greyhound Nation gets behind them and that he understands that greyhounds are are not um, any different in a respect as far as an outside animal, uh, a dog, going after a, a smaller animal uh, in an outside setting. Uh, it's very different than an inside situation. So um, 
like like John said, we will be having the Facebook page up this weekend. And everyone, please do, even if you don't have a greyhound, an animal lover, if you uh, if you own a dog, um, it very well could have happened to you if you had a, a German Shepherd, a Doberman, Rottweiler, a mixed breed. That's that's just what happened. That was very unfortunate. But um, I think it may be time for for all dog lovers, animal lovers, to to come together and get some justice for Sparky. Definitely, and I think anyone who has ever had any type of contact with any dog, especially a greyhound, start thinking about if this was one of your pets. It was an accident that Sparky got out. Uh, the owners did they did the effort to find Sparky, to locate him. They didn't just sit home and go, oh, he'll come back. No, this was a very conscientious owner, and to have... This being the result, a human being willfully attacking your pet. There is no, there is no reason for this. There should be legal action available to anyone that has this happen to a pet. Um, from, from that standpoint, I do expect every single greyhound owner, past, present, and even if you're considering it, you join Justice for Sparky on Facebook. You take the action. Let us as one make sure Sparky did not be murdered in vain. Yeah. And I, I just want to remind our listeners, I know when uh, John called TJ and I and was, was tell, telling the story, and actually, once again, even when you first told us, um, now, John, just listening to you, I've kind of got tears in my eyes. Uh, but when I did get home, I, I, I did, uh, well, I'm pretty good with our yard and making sure all the gates are closed, there's locks. I, once again, I went through and I just did a perimeter check on everything to make sure all the locks were in order, the gates were in proper order and, and closing, uh, just to, just to pre- prevent something like this. Uh, but th- this is just disheartening. I, again, I hope everyone jo- joins in for justice for Sparky. Um, with, with we'll be listing the um, uh, phone number and email address of the uh, Commonwealth Attorney uh, on the page, and we just ask everybody that has contact with them to be polite and be factual, but insist on action being taken. Exactly. I mean, I, I can accept uh, a jury of our, of our of his peers if they found him innocent, but I cannot accept no no justice at all. This is just wrong. And with that said, um, now I'd like to bring in our guest, Dennis McKeon. Welcome to the show. Welcome back again. Uh, hi, Rory. Thanks for having me back. Hi, Kathy. Hi, TJ. Hi, John. Hi, Dennis. Still there. John's going to stay on with us, and I think because the last show I did so much yapping, and I know um, after the show TJ and I were talking, and we we're both like, "Oh my God, we had you know there was so much more." So I think I will just maybe a little take a little step back and uh, and let let TJ and um, John work with you a little bit today. And what you're hearing in the background, I believe, is my greyhounds barking. So as we all know, yes, that would be Lena. Bark. <laughs> See, that's a totally foreign sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that never happened. 
You know, it's funny. Uh, I want to commend the people, first of all, uh, for uh, taking up the cause of Sparky. But uh, it's funny you should mention that because one of our cats was killed by a pit bull who got away or was just let out to run. And uh, we, uh, we declined to... Uh, take action against the owner, but, uh, you know, I didn't uh, beat the dog to death with a bat or anything. I was just a little irate. Uh, the cat was 17 years old and was just sunning herself, I and mean, all she would do is she really didn't move around much. She'd just go outside and lie down, and the woman let her pit bulls out deliberately, I think, because she knew the cat was out there. And uh, I won't tell you what my wife did, but I uh, chose not to uh, beat the dogs to death. And uh, I also wonder... Where, uh, where our Greyhound Protector friends are on this. Have they taken up the uh, cause of Sparky at all? Has anybody heard from them? No one's heard from uh, them, and you're hearing it first from us. So we're really yeah. the real protectors. They're just clowns. It'll be interesting to see, Dennis, what, uh, what they do. Uh, do if, if They'll hear about it. Obviously, it's going to be on Facebook. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what they take up or if their advocacy is limited to trying to get rid of Greyhound Racing. Yeah, I think their advocacy is limited to anything they can raise funds from. And it's too late for Sparky now, unfortunately. So, Well, hopefully so it is not too today, late folks? for this to continue. I think Hello? that was Kathy. Kathy, where you were going, saying something? Oh, yeah, I was just saying that um, while it may be unfortunately too late for Sparky, let's hope that our actions and the actions of pet lovers and greyhound lovers around the world um, make a difference for the future. Um, and right. as I said previously, I think the, I think the, all of us are needed I think to make a great this idea work. because I think you can, you can pressure them. You know, I think enough... Uh, enough uh, uh, influence from the outside could, could definitely have an effect. Right. And, and it's for me, it's not just greyhounds that we all know. I, we all of us here love greyhounds, but no animal deserves to have the shit beat out of it. I, I'm sorry. You, That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, you know, stuff happens in life, but you don't go beating the shit out of it. Um, that's just wrong. And uh, and I just want to also, I want to thank John and TJ for bringing this to our attention. Um, you're two wonderful people who I've known for years, and um, I can't thank you enough. And uh, this just shows me even more the appreciation, the love you have for for animals. And thank you for, for bringing this to our attention. Well, Roy, let me, and let me also give credit where credit's due. Uh, I actually learned about it from the Sparky's trainer when he was racing at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Uh, I can never pronounce Kurt's last name, but it's Kurt with the um, uh, Lester Rains Kennel down there, and he's the one that brought it to my attention. So that just shows you trainers do, in fact, follow uh, the, their greyhounds after they've left their racing kennel and uh, have gone into uh, their, the next phase of their life in a home, and um, uh, so that's how I that's how I learned about it, and that's what got me uh, motivated to um, to get involved. So kudos to Kurt. I think you're speaking of Kurt Trechik, right? Yes, Trechik. That's right. That's I can never. I think that's how you pronounce I, it. I think that's how you pronounce it. I need to. I tell Kurt to get some more vowels in his name, so it'll be easier to pronounce. <laughs> but he's a great guy, and he's a great trainer. <laughs> What's that? 
there was a, a woman on, on the, one of the Australian pages. Uh, her dog ran away, and the dogs, she called the dog's trainer. He drove three hours down there with a squawker and a call, some kind of call he had and got the dog. Yes, I saw that in the dog. I did read about that, David. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, yeah. That's a good, good point there. Um, Dennis, could you kind of tell our listeners uh, what a squawker is? I know myself, Kathy, and I, we do have a squawker at home, but kind of share with our listeners what a squawker is and why they should maybe have one in their house. Yeah, everybody should have one, especially if you, you, know, if you have a dog who has any wayward tendencies. And uh, they, what a squawker is what they call a, a game call, and it's, it's kind of a cylindrical, uh, uh, arpeggiated kind of uh, thing that if you uh, hold one end of it, the other end will flop over, and it'll, it'll make a sound like a, a rabbit in distress. That's, that's the nearest thing I can uh, equate it to. And uh, the dogs, of course, they, that's the same sound that they have on the lure at the track. So the dogs go nuts for it as soon as they hear it. And you can find videos of squawkers and, uh, and, 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 and the lure going around on, on YouTube, and you can just play it, and your dog will perk up and pay attention. So if you are doing any kind of exercise with the dog or anything where you, have, you want callback and you're unsure of callback, you get, a, you get a, a squawker, and almost invariably the dog will come to wherever he hears the squawker noise to investigate. And if you have a stuffed animal or something there, it's even better. It's even more of an attraction. And it certainly is a good thing to have just in case your dog does get out. And I'm not Michael McCann, the great uh, greyhound uh, locator, the guy who can find greyhounds anywhere, but uh, that would be my first step if one of my dogs ran away. I'd be walking around or driving around with a squawker trying to get, get his attention. And you can get them at, you know, uh, any kind of hunting store, uh, Dick's or, uh, well, uh, Dick's, uh, you know, what? Who else? I don't even know what the hunting stores are anymore. Cabela's. Ever since I've been out of the print, printing business, Cabela's, I don't know. Um, probably Amazon. In I fact, like I have one, one in my hand. Amazon, right. yeah. I would like to add one thing to that as we're talking. Um, there are, obviously, as we were just mentioning, uh, some greyhound protectors out there. So they are, are claimed to be. Uh, however, reputable adoption groups, the ones that do the actual adoptions, uh, typically have their own um, tracking systems for the greyhounds that they have adopted out uh, to, to families and individuals. And one of the first things that should be done if a greyhound gets loose is to call the adoption group. Um, they can put people on notice and, and help you get uh, forces mobilized to tell you who that you might can call to help you find a loose greyhound. Um, so, so as you're jumping into your car, because you're not going to get a greyhound on foot if a greyhound ever does get loose, <laughs> as you're jumping in your car, you need to be calling your greyhound adoption group. Uh, most of them, I know GPA chapters uh, do have... Uh, identification tags on them with um, typically the local phone number of the chapter as well as our national 800 number. And uh, we do have someone that mans the 800 number, and it is for emergencies such as this. And we can typically get in touch with the chapter very quickly if necessary. So please make that a part of of the very first things you do is, is call your uh, chapter 
or your adoption group that you got the Greyhound from, and they'll be willing to help you out. People can mobilize uh, folks in the area on social media, too. I've seen that done a lot. Yeah, we just had that happen uh, just two nights ago in our group, GPA Atlanta. uh, uh, Greyhound got out, and uh, the owners went on the... um, uh, we have a Facebook group, our, our adoption group for all our members and volunteers and adopters. And within 30 minutes, we had uh, about uh, 12 or 13 people, boots on the ground, looking for the dog. And within about an hour of that, uh, the dog was located. And this was a black greyhound at night. So uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we, we call them the Minutemen. They, they get out and uh, people, people hit the ground if they're in the group and, and it, you know, they're local they, and they can go look. They'll go look. So you're absolutely right about that, Dennis. It's important to, to, to and, and TJ as well, to let your adoption group know and then get on whatever social media you're on and, and spread the word about it because people will help out. They, they jump to it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and as Tanya mentioned, as TJ was mentioning, you call the group, um, reputable groups, they will get information out to even the other groups. I know a few months ago here in Arizona, there was a dog got away from uh, an adopter, and it was another group, but they let us all know, and it turned out that you know it was near where I live, so I spent countless hours out there helping to search for the greyhound. Uh, so, yeah, ha- make sure you have those numbers along with your squawker at all times. And also, um, if you cannot, because you're going to be busy out looking and, and helping give information to find your greyhound, make sure someone notifies not only your vet, but vets in the area, because a lot of greyhounds are microchipped. And if a dog is turned in, they are aware that, you know, there is one loose. And if they see it, they'll know what to do. Exactly. Good advice. And you, you have the vet on, on uh, notice that the dog may need some help, too. Yep. Uh, sometimes Definitely. they come back not, not so much, uh, uh, you know, the worse for wear. Is there, you know, since we're on the topic, I know I've seen a few times where I've seen some pictures, not greyhounds, but pictures of a lost dog that they'll put up in the neighborhood. And uh, I just see it and it's like, oh, my God, couldn't you have got a better picture of your dog? Um, I can hardly see it. I can't really tell anything about it. So maybe make sure once you've adopted your dog that you get a good picture of it that people can, can actually tell what it is and tell the coloring and make sure that you keep the picture's updated. So if your dog's 13 years old, maybe you don't want to be using the picture of it when it was three years old. That's a great, great advice. That's really good advice. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We're talking about uh, uh, dogs getting loose. I always tell a story about a, a new trainer who had uh, taken over a kennel. It was a couple of kennels down from me. And he got some pups in. And I uh, was listening to him out in the pen with him, and uh, he kept calling this one dog, Jumper, come here, Jumper, come here, Jumper. And uh, so I talked to him later, and I said, uh, how do you know, uh, you know, uh, who's this dog, Jumper? He says, oh, he's uh, one of the pups that just came in the other day. I said, uh, are you sure that's his name? He says, yeah, well, that's what it says on his collar. I said, did it say anything on the other dog's collars? No, their names were on their papers. I said, well, you know why it says Jumper on his collar? Because he's a fence jumper. So you're going to have to keep your eye on that dog. The farmer was telling you that this dog is allowed to jump that fence. So 
His name, you can call him Jumper if you want, but I don't think that was the idea. The reason they wrote Jumper on the cow is to let you know <laughs> that this guy is an escape risk. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and that was the, what the old farmers used to do. They would always put Jumper on the cow so you knew if you didn't talk to the guy that, uh, that he was sending you a Jumper. And, uh, and, and when a dog jumps a fence, uh, the kennels, any other dogs that are out go crazy. You know, that's just... Hey, let's go. <laughs> Take me too. <laughs> let's, uh, let's join in. Uh, yeah, we had uh, we had one come in one time, Dennis, that uh, into our adoption group. We went to pick them up, and we were, uh, you know, they, the, the dogs wear the plastic kennel collars, and they often trainers will often write their names, the call names at least, uh, on the with a, a magic marker. And we had one that said JD, and um, asked the trainer, "Does that stand for anything in particular?" And he said. Juvenile delinquent, and so this was a young greyhound that was somewhat incorrigible. And so, I think he actually got the call name JD in 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 his adoptive home. So we get, we still laugh about that one. That's good. I think that's it. I think all you know, uh, adopters right now should do that with their dogs' collars. You know, if they have a special little quirk, just put that on their collar. Well, yeah. would they? Why not? We do. We do when they're at events, um, I, and for anybody new, if you see a, a greyhound wearing a red bandana, that means it's a greyhound that needs to be, you know, don't go walking up to it and don't let your dog go running up to it. And I think there's a couple of other colored bandanas that are used. I th- is, it yellow, is it yellow for a shy greyhound, Kathy, or TJ, maybe it, you know? It may be. But I, I think words are a little more effective as well. Yeah. Um, I know that there are now leashes and even small um, coats um, being made uh, for the blind greyhounds that have come through adoption because there's no way you know that. So just spell it out and, again, take caution when approaching Right. Well, we're going to be coming up on a break here shortly, but I just want to remind our listeners, um, you know, we will be announcing this weekend uh, some information, Justice for Sparky on uh, on social media, Facebook. We're going to have a Facebook page going for that because uh, we definitely um, we need to stand together, stand tall and show our love for all mankind for all animal kind and make sure we have justice for Sparky. And um, so keep an eye out for that because we're going to make a difference. We, we all together make a difference every day in the lives of animals and we're going to make a difference and show that we're not going to tolerate dogs being beat the shit out of and dying from mankind stupidity. And with that, I think it's time for us to let all the hounds out and let them take their break, go relieve themselves, and we will be back after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Welcome back, and like our plucky announcer said, you are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Before we continue our conversation with guest Dennis McKeon, I'd like to remind you that you can follow Greyhounds Make Great Pets, and that's spelled G-R-E-A-T, on Facebook, and it's way cool if you like our page, too. On Twitter, we're known as GMGP Inc., and on Instagram, we can be found at GMGP3. 
And if any of our listeners would like to support or advertise on Greyhounds Make Great Pets, please send us an email at gmgp3 at yahoo.com, and we'll let you know how you can do that. All righty, we're going to get back to the show. And we'll turn it over to TJ, because I think she has a very interesting question for uh, Mr. Dennis today. Uh, Okay, Um, I am typically known as one that does not hold back whenever I have something on my mind. Um, And this actually came across on Facebook uh, that I had shared on my own personal timeline, and um, John actually shared it into a a group that um, he admins, a a group that he created. Um, And it created quite the stir, quite the conversation, and oftentimes I think maybe someone doesn't read beyond a title or they skim an article or they skim something that someone says and, and don't maybe really get the full gist of of what's probably being said. Um, and, and there are people that take things more literally than others uh, as well. So I wanted to bring this topic up today. And uh, it, it ties in a little bit to um, what we'll be doing for Sparky and how that human-animal bond slash human-animal interaction slash human animal responsibilities. Um, it, it's about anthropomorphism um, or humanizing animals um, or, or our pets. And I'm not referring necessarily to what you call them or, or, or anything like that, but it's more of a, a situation. And of course, there are going to be times that, especially for greyhounds, um, in colder weather, you, you need to be mindful that a lot of us have when, where we are in colder weather jackets and, and coats and things like that for winter months or where it's snowy and icy, the boots and things of that nature. But I wanted to talk a little bit about as a pet owner and, and as having a pet as part of your family, how can you do that and it be a, basically a family member or a, a member of your family unit and still respect the fact that it is not a human family member, that it has its own own needs and own personalities and everything else. So, Dennis, can you – I've heard you go into this a little bit, and, and I really like the way you, you can spell things out. Can you talk about that a little bit for us? Well, uh, TJ, here's the thing. Uh, just about everybody who's involved with Greyhounds grew up, watching movies from Walt Disney and Lassie and Mr. Ed and things like that where animals had human emotions and had human intelligence and had human reactions to situations, and they grew up being fed that. And even though it's, it's obviously a fantasy, it, it has an effect on people, and it, it has had an effect on people. In fact, the whole animal rights Movement is based on the idea that sentience is the adjudicator of rights. And sentience has very little to do with rights because the only reason we have rights is not because of sentience, because there are millions of sentient human beings who have no rights, but the people who have employed their reason, their ability, their unique human ability to reason on a very high level, have evolved rights-based societies. Now, animals don't reason the way we do. Animals react to instinctive demands to survive. 
So now if you look at the lion and she's sitting in the, in the high weeds and she's waiting for the zebra to go take a drink from the lake, has she violated the zebra's rights by killing him when he's not expecting it? Does the zebra have a right to drink at the lake unmolested? And does the lion have to respect that right? I mean, animals don't work like that. And animals don't, can't possibly, uh, rights are moral constructs. Rights are, are, are evolved of morality and human reason. We can't apply moral con- constructs to amoral creatures like animals. It won't work. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, it's an oxymoron. I always say animal rights is an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. I mean, it, 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 the two things aren't compatible. Now, we have animal welfare laws for that reason. But anyway, to get back to that, if you have kids, I have four kids, and I don't, I don't react to them or approach them the same way that, you know, as a, there's no, no one-size-fits-all. I have to treat them differently because they have different, uh, rea- they, you know, they're different people, and they have different emotional triggers, and they have different, you know, uh, levels of patience. Uh, there's different things that they can put up with and they can't put up with, and you get to know your kids, and you treat your dog as a family member or your cat as a family member, but you have to realize that you approach that dog differently because that dog is different. He's not the same as, as Rory, and he's not the same as TJ. He's a different character. He's a different entity. And if you don't understand the dog to begin with and what drives the dog and what motivates the dog and what the dog needs, then you're you're not doing the dog a service if you treat it like a child. What you're doing is is you're, you're sort of tilting the axis that the dog's world revolves on because the dog is still a dog no matter how much you want to humanize him or make him into a child or whatever. And I think what's a lot of the problems we have with greyhounds in particular is that people don't understand what motivates these dogs. They don't understand, they don't get the, the, the impact of centuries of selective breeding to do a certain thing, to perform a certain task, and how much the dog is driven by that. And when... You know, the classic example is, I don't know what's bothering Rover. He, he's having trouble adjusting, but it's been three months now, and he should have made the move. You know, he should have been able to adjust. We're doing everything we possibly can, except you've taken away the one thing that drove that dog his whole life. He doesn't have that outlet to get rid of his excess energy. He doesn't have that outlet to, to express himself in his most basic and primal need. He doesn't have it anymore. So... What, what, you, you've, got a, you've got a 24-hour couch potato there who very well may be depressed, not because you're a bad person, but because you're treating the dog like a human. You're looking at it, well, you know, I treat this dog better than I treat my kids. You know, how many times have you heard that? Or my wife treats the dog better than she treats me. And, and that, uh, you know, that may be the case, but better to, to you is not necessarily better to the dog. And so we have these people whose dogs are frustrating them beyond belief, and what they're lacking is what I call the outlet to, reach, to uh, exist in a state of, uh, of uh, what I call uh, pleasant fatigue. It's, uh, you know, the endorphins, you know, there's certain uh, quality to endorphins that level dogs out. So when, you know, I always say when you go into a, a racing kennel, if the dogs are barking like crazy, 
you know, that's not a good sign. First thing in the morning, yeah, that's okay. But after that, that's not usually a good sign. That's usually a sign that dogs are a little stressed out or they're, uh, they're uh, understimulated. What you want to achieve in your kennel is a state where the dogs are, in what I call a state of pleasant fatigue. You walk in there, and if a stranger walks in there, the dogs are kind of cool. You know, they just say, oh, yeah, they're interested. They might bark a little bit, but not hysterically. And uh, I think uh, a lot of pet owners just fail to grasp the essence of what drives that dog and to give them some sort of outlet to express that. I know it's not easy. I know there are people who just can't do it, but you can walk a dog to the point, and you can walk yourself to the point where you reach a, an endorphin-induced state, and it, it, it levels them out, and a lot of those problems will be taken care of, but it's, you can go a step better if you can get that dog into a field, a fenced-in area where he can chase something, because that's what he's bred to do. I mean, that's... I mean, you can't just wish away or will away thousands and thousands of years and countless generations of breeding. It just uh, it doesn't work that way. And the and, and I would like to say as well these, on that, Dennis, and that makes a, a very good point. You can't wish away their DNA. Um, no, you can't. That's that's what Mother Nature gave them was the gift of speed. Um, I kind of liken that to if us having particular talents or particular gifts and not taking advantage of them, that would make us pretty sad people. Um, the, the, the Greyhound isn't a 45-mile-an-hour animal for nothing. Um, that, that, was, that, that was what Mother Nature gifted Greyhounds with, was speed. So... Um, they need to have that outlet. It's it's in it's been ingrained in them, and they started out that way from the very beginning, uh, with with just what is in their genes. So um, I appreciate you letting us know that. And can speaking of of how they are in homes, um, and and how we're treated, and, and how they might feel or think as far as dogs. Can you tell us a little bit, or the, the listeners, a little bit more? Um, they may not have a greyhound um, or, or are thinking of getting a greyhound, uh, but tell us a little bit about why a greyhound might have trouble adjusting into a new home based upon how they grew up. Um, it, it might give people an insight as to why your greyhound might be depressed or why it might be chewing on something that it shouldn't be. Um, give us well, some insight well, this into is something we've discussed some online quite extensively, and I think we're getting through to people on this point. And then, greyhounds are highly socialized animals. They are raised in an incredibly evolved social environment with other greyhounds. And they are never without the company of other greyhounds. That greyhound that you're going to adopt has probably never spent one second of his life without other greyhounds around him or her. And when that dog is separated from the pack, there's a big, big void that has to be filled. I mean, the, the, the greyhound has been used to having greyhounds around him, they're doing things in a social context with his kennel mates, his litter mates, whatever, the colony at the racing kennel. They do things together, they, and they're always together. And they're not, uh, a lot of greyhounds are not comfortable necessarily making decisions on their own outside of the dynamic of the pack. Because 
a lot of greyhounds, like people are followers. They're not leaders. They, they just go along with the pack, and they're used to that. And so when they're placed in a situation where there's no other dogs around, an entirely foreign environment with things that they've never seen before, like television sets or, uh, or uh, noises they've never heard, like uh, air conditioners uh, making a loud noise. Well, actually, they do hear air conditioners in the kennels. But, but uh, any number of uh, outside stimuli that they might hear, it, it can be very unnerving to them, and you want uh, to be, keep that in mind when you adopt a greyhound, because the dog may become suddenly introverted or timid, it's not that he's that way, not necessarily that he's that way naturally, it's that he doesn't know what to make of this whole situation. And for you uh, to understand that, you know, this takes time, and without the pack, the greyhound has to learn to act independently. And the way you do that is you bond with the dog. And there's no better bonding exercise that I know of than taking walks with the dog with just you and the dog, and you speak to the dog in a human voice like we're speaking now. You call him by his name a lot, and you let him sniff around. You take him to, you know, as quiet a place as you can and let him just become sensorily engaged with his environment. And very slowly but surely, he'll engage with his indoor environment as well. And he'll learn not to be afraid of that. It doesn't happen overnight with a lot of dogs. And there are some dogs that it does happen overnight. They come into a home. I might mean, one of my pets was like that. He came into the home. It was like he's always been here. Never, uh, never missed a beat. But uh, others took time. It takes time. It takes patience on your part to understand that this dog is a creature of a society. I mean, that's the way they've ra- they're raised, that's, and, and they're bred from dogs that thrived in that kind of environment. And in a way, in a sense, it's not unlike dogs left to their own devices and, or dogs in the wild where that pack dynamic is always at work, and it's a, a very strong thing. So when you do get your greyhound home, and if he's an only dog, you may find that he's a bit... Uh, put out by what's going on. He may not, may not adjust instantly to what you've got there, but like I said, bonding with the dog, but don't, you don't have to overdo it. You don't have to sm- over, smother him with treats or toys or creature comforts. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's about giving the dog time to adjust and letting him feel his way around and letting him do things in his own time because if you try and force him, Sometimes greyhounds are just like horses. You pull one way, they pull the other way. And you just have to realize that this dog is, is, is somebody who's been imprinted by a colonial culture that is not unlike, I mean, it's not unlike what dogs, you know, in the wild had experienced for, before they were domesticated. And it's, it's quite a bit unlike what most dogs have, uh, you know, as in their background, where most dogs are separated right away and they're adopted out or they're sold if they're from a breeder and they, they, they leave that all behind and it's much easier for them to adjust because they're young, eight weeks old, ten weeks old, it's different. A greyhound, you get a four, four-year-old greyhound or a three-and-a-half-year-old greyhound, he's pretty set in his ways and he's pretty, pretty uh, he expects certain things to be done at certain times and he expects certain uh, activities 
in his life because he's used to that. He's used to having a very busy life and a very social life. And when that's taken away, it can be quite a, well, I call it culture shock. And he has to learn to adjust. Does that help? And I totally agree with you, Dennis. And whenever I'm speaking to a potential adopter, I've tried to make the analogy of imagine yourself waking up one day completely separated from your family in a, in a foreign country uh, where you do not know the language, you do not know the culture, you do not know, you don't have any of your, your typical creature comforts, you just wake up there. You know, where are you going to eat? Where are you going to sleep? Where do you find the restrooms? You know, where do you find anybody that can communicate with you to tell you anything? Um, yeah. Taking a, a greyhound that's been with other greyhounds from literally the moment it's born is, and, and then putting it into an entirely different environment, um, such as a home, uh, where there may not be other greyhounds already. Um, we'll, we could probably get into the term chipping later uh, <laughs> and why so many of us is, are greyhound fanatics and tend to have more than one. But um, it, it's it's a very big big shock, a culture shock, and and I think you you just described it perfectly, and I do appreciate that. And I don't know if um, if is John still here? I'm still here. If you would yeah, like I, I mean, to, it's, I, to, it's it, it's a Dennis is spot on with it all. I'm uh, you know I'm kind of on the far end of. The uh, advocacy of respecting your greyhound, uh, Kathy can tell you that's where I cut my teeth as the greyhound curmudgeon because I can't stand hats and costumes <laughs> and that sort of thing on on greyhounds, and, and and it does transcend how you address them. I mean, I, you know, it, it's much more than than that. I I know people that uh, you know talk baby talk to their dogs, and yet they understand that they are uh, their dogs and not not humans and they're not little children. So it's possible, certainly possible to do that. I try to stay away from it, but even I slip into it every now and then. But um, uh, that's it. That's the that's the sum and substance of it. I, to me, it's all about appreciating dogs because they're different from humans. Not not trying to make them into little humans or regarding them as four legged humans. They're 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 wonderful and and great companions precisely because they're not people. And so, um, uh, to me, that's that's the whole sum and substance of it. Is is just respecting them for what they are, approaching them. Don't don't uh, Disneyfy them, you know. And Dennis is spot on about that. That's where, heck, that's where I, you know, begin to think of uh, of uh, animals as uh, as little people. And then, then I was around you horses and greyhounds, and for a while, and I learned that that's not the case. I mean, and I, I do have to agree with that. When, uh, I think that a lot of it when, is that it does have to do with. Um, it's concerning to me that we we would humanize them too much, and that's where you get into the whole animal rights versus animal welfare, um, which is again a topic that we could take an entire episode and then some to go into. Um, the more we humanize them. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking in a much broader term. If someone puts a hat on a dog, I'm a little bit more in the middle than you, John. You know, if they put one on and take a picture of them or something like that, and, <laughs> and it's cute or whatever, okay, or the little reindeer antlers. I'm, I mean, you know, that it doesn't, doesn't bother me too bad or anything like that. 
Um, but I'm more concerned that as a culture, we seem to be shifting into losing respect for the animal and, and what the animal is in trying to... I think it's a human conceit that we want them to be more like us. And in actuality, in a lot of cases, we want to be more like them. You know, I've, I've known a lot of dogs that are a lot more admirable creatures than some of the men I've known. And uh, I see a lot Correct. to admire in dogs that I, you know, things that, uh, you know, you wish you had the courage to be. But uh, I think people want to make them human, and it's, it's a conceit, you know, where you can't accept them for what they are as an animal and who is driven by different things than you are and reacts to things much more instinctively than you do and who has far greater powers of intuition than you do. And it's a shame. And I totally agree with that, Dennis. Um, it, it, it's almost like there's a concern here that we, we, we want the animal because we want a companion. And then we try to humanize that animal um, and, and turn that animal into a human when, in fact, what we really want is that animal companion. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason you see so many memes of, of uh, you know, you you like dogs better than people and, and things like that. But if we're starting to walk a fine line here is if, you know, you say, well, I'd rather be around my dogs, but yet in the same token, I'm trying to make my dog a human. So that doesn't yeah, right. really make right. sense. It sort of smacks yeah. against one another. Well, so. it's a contradiction, I, yeah. Hate to do this, but and I've, I've made a decision. We are going to eventually bring Dennis back for a third show because as this show has been going on, I've been writing down notes, and we have, I think, even more stuff to talk about Dennis, with Dennis. Uh, but with that, I just want to remind everyone, keep an eye out for the information on Justice for Sparky that we'll be putting out this weekend. I want to thank Aaron, our engineer, Tracy, our producer, um, Dennis, thank you for again for a great show. You're a wonderful guest, and thank you to Kathy, TJ, and John. Appreciate everything you guys do. Everyone, <laughs> hug the hounds of the world, and remember, let's work together for justice for Sparky. Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beter, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.